You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the uh, like 18th of April, 2019. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, it was a um, a busy week in search, an incredibly busy week in search. A whole bunch of neat stuff happened. Um, I'm not even sure where you know. I'm not sure where to begin. Um, but I think I got an idea. Dave, how are you doing today? I am uh, I am doing fantastic. How about you, Jim? Pretty good, pretty good. And again, it's been a uh, a long week. Um, uh, sometimes rather confusing week in search. Um, uh, I'm excited today. That's how I am. That's a good way to, to describe it. I'm excited. <laughs> and what are you excited about? I'm excited about tons of stuff. Um, I like the first story. The first story I want to deal with today sort of sets the tone for well, pretty much everything coming after it. And might you know kind of explain a lot of the uh, SEO journalism world. Did you see the one? Uh, I think it was uh, in Search Engine Roundtable, uh, published a couple of days ago, um, where Barry sort of dealt with how Google sometimes actually knows the answer, but because they don't know how to phrase the answer properly, they say that they don't know. Yes. Yes, and. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think that we've been the victim of this on more than one occasion, maybe. Um, okay, so I mean, like seriously, Google is a massive machine that has uh, hundreds and hundreds of working pieces, and 
in our industry, we try to dissect the entire machine and each of those working pieces individually. And if somebody is going to make a comment about like how the machine or any of its component pieces work, we're going to take that comment and run to the bank with it and back, except most of the time we're going to get, we're going to take that comment completely out of context. <laughs> and yeah, you know, we can do quite a bit of damage. <laughs> you, you know, the old adage, a little bit of knowledge uh, is quite dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's mostly because the rest of the knowledge isn't sort of backfilling um, the big hole dug by the, by the original knowledge. And uh, like, Google has Google spokespeople have to be incredibly careful how they phrase sites for commercial reasons and straight up just because they want to be helpful people. And if they can only give half an answer or, or a quarter of an answer because they're unable to talk about a certain thing, whatever that thing might be, half an answer is sometimes worse than a full, than, than uh, no answer at all. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. what I reckon. I think you're probably right, and I think it's a good call on their part. And we need to respect, um, you know, where they're coming from. Like, they can't, given the volume of questions and the specific questions that we would ask, they can't answer all of them, right? Like, they, they just they just can't. <laughs> like, it would be a horrible idea for their part if they were like, you know what? We're going to do like a real for real AMA, you know, go ahead, ask us what the algorithm is and we'll all, you know, just ask each person, they'll write down the part they know and you can piece it together, right? Like they can't do that. And I'm not saying, you know, we're talking about them going that far, but you get into stuff where, yeah, they, it, they either can't answer it. They may not even know how to frame it. And as John's called, and I don't think it was in this one, but he, he's, he's sort of pointed out before, we're dealing with like a bunch of different people. They can answer what their part is and that they would trust that like somebody else is doing another part, right? Really, really well. But John may know a whole lot about a piece of the pie, but so he could answer on that, but he doesn't know how the, you know, the whole pie was made. <laughs> so, and then to exactly what you're saying. Yeah. An, an actual answer on how this part works might be an enormous disservice. It sends all of us going, well, this is what's important, right? And then running off. Yeah, that's what's important in a huge context. <laughs> so, but if you don't know the context, you're in trouble. Yeah, you don't, you're, you're, you don't actually have the background to basically understand what the question was in the first place or yeah. what the, the, the partial answer to the question was. And like that can be very dangerous. I, I remember... Early, early, early in uh, in my career, this is probably back in 2003 or 2004, we were in the Sepworth office, and um, I saw an article I'd written on how Google works in one way or another translated into the Czech language. And I kind of freaked out a little bit because it gave me uh, an indication of how serious people are taking this information. So serious that somebody would translate something I wrote, and I, I think this was before Google and Bing and all the search engines had automatic translators. Like somebody actually translated my work. So information is a serious thing. Um, if you're going to be distributing, giving it out, especially if you're a spokesperson for one of the largest corporations on earth, <laughs> um, you kind of got a responsibility to phrase things carefully. Yeah. 
Well, and let's talk about a total damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Like, if they don't answer, we all complain. If they did answer, we would all complain, right? Like, because they couldn't give us an honest answer or they would have to give us an incomplete answer. So I, I don't blame them. And I, I think just saying, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. They may know a part of it. They might even know the full answer. What they don't know is how to answer it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one thing that like, that you shouldn't do if you're a Google representative don't look at us and say it's complicated. <laughs> You're not going to get away with that. Okay. Um, where so so anyway so I wanted to preface the rest of the entire uh, show because as I said a lot of stuff has actually happened in in, in the last week. Um, Google is met, is changing ways that it uh, displays results uh, on search pages um, mm-hmm. and. Um, we know that Google's coming out with a bu- with a bunch of new uh, crawlers. Um, uh, 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 Martin Spitt has uh, done his last videos. There's so much to talk about. Where do you want to go next? Whew. Well, you know what? I was uh, and this one's a sort of you know could be quick, could could go could go long. Um, but uh, John did uh, you know a hangout just a just a couple days ago. Um, and then here's something that I didn't know. And it's one of those, I didn't think about it. If I'd really thought about it, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Uh, but he was talking in it about the quality raters. Um, and I've always thought of quality raters like Google sits them down, you know, and goes, hey, find the problems. Right? Like that's kind of what I, I thought of them as doing. Um, you know, here's our algorithm. Sit down, run these queries right? Tell us, tell us what's wrong, right? Like just rate the, I mean, basically rate the sites um, by, by the criteria. Um, and this, this is going to seem obvious. And some people may be like, Dave, how'd you not think of this? In the hangout, he had mentioned that, and the engineers will sit down, they will tweak an algorithm, right? Like tweak it, put it into a staging um, area, and then sit quality raters down. As it absolutely makes sense, but I quite honestly, I never thought of quality raters as a testing ground. And I, it makes absolutely perfect sense. Part of our listening audience is probably like, uh-huh. But just for yeah. like one or two of you that didn't think, oh, yeah, right, the quality rater guidelines are for testing new algorithms or, or, or it, like while they're sitting in staging, not just judging what is, but judging what is proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of way of looking at it. And Makes me kind of want to be a quality rater because hey, <laughs> you could you could have a have a heads up. I can only imagine yeah, well. that like they would have like the ones that are testing what might be in the future. Um, I, I don't know how they vet them to make sure that you know their NDAs are super ironclad. But I'd sure like a sneak peek at the algorithms that they're thinking about. I would out. I would lay buddy. I would lay good money that Sergey Brit is a hell of a lot more careful vetting his quality raters and volunteers than, uh, say, Jimmy Wales is over at Wikipedia. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of folks in the SEO world who <laughs> I know you volunteer at Wikipedia, folks. I even know who many of you are, um, <laughs> and I know why you're doing it. Of course, you're doing it. Um, I mean, seriously. But 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 I'm I'm pretty sure at Google they're a little more careful. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. I, I have no idea. I, I'm... Oh shoot! Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, 
Me neither. I'm, I'm a uh, I'm an idiot about these things. Don't listen to me. <laughs> you, you know what's interesting though is because speaking of, and I assume you mean being a, a Wikipedia editor, uh, you know, and, and becoming. I didn't, I, I, you know what? I didn't say that at all. I just said over at Wikipedia. I didn't mean. Oh, to okay. Okay. I'll just jump out and go. And and the thing is that I I've met a few um, SEOs who are, and clearly it's so you can keep an eye on like we're SEOs, right? Like it's so you can keep an eye on things and. Um, when applicable, put them in. Uh, but I have found because you can you can sometimes see the telltale size w- signs when you're going into pages and you're like, oh, okay, I, yeah, I can see what's going on there. Um, and, and credit to the community itself, the 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 sort of white hat SEOs, and I, I consider myself one of them, are on such a quest to make sure that our profiles are clean because we need them to be trusted for when we want to use them that we don't ever do crap. Like I've actually gone in and gone, okay, I need, um, you know, I, I would really like to get listed on this page. Like for a client, I would like this client included on this page because they're, they're about that. And actually gone out and made sure that we crafted a piece of content that was better than the citations on the Wikipedia page so that we could be better. Right. So I think if you've got, uh, you know, sort of credit to the community that is, you know, involved because it is heavily edited, the white hats in the crowd. Um, and I like to consider myself one of them are actually doing a service, even though we're trying, yes, we, we want the credit for our clients in there, but at the same time, we're willing to step up and produce what it takes to be worth it. <laughs> and contributing a bunch of stuff for non-clients because we need our profiles to be good. <laughs> so, the, uh, the the beneficial hand of web marketing by anonymous. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's um, right there beside Adam Smith's uh, uh, the invisible hand of the free market, right? Yeah. <laughs> Except it's a bit more active. Well, we're so benevolent. Um, all right, where where shall we go? Um, we've got. I know, okay, we need like something we can talk about in like just a couple minutes because I know we do need to go. So here's um, a web a web equip a web a web a cat. You know the etiquette of the web, the web cat. Yep. Yep. So if uh, you quote somebody, if, uh, if, if 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 you write something and you quote somebody, should you give them a follow link or not? Is that is that something that 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 should be like in the realm of expectation? Um. No. Um, and no, it's funny okay. because I disagreed. I, I agreed with what Rand was saying, which is what I think you're – you know what? Why don't I let you yep. explain what we're talking about here? <laughs> well, for, for, for the listener's benefit, there was um, a um, – I wouldn't say it was an argument of sorts, but it was a, it was a, a Twitter spat. Mm-hmm. It's a Twitter spat between Rand Fishkin um, and, and Danny Sullivan. Uh, Rand is the, the founder, of, uh, founder and former CEO of SEO Moz. Uh, Danny Sullivan, um, former uh, search journalist, now uh, now search liaison, working directly at Google. Uh, Rand says, "Yeah, that expectation should be on the table." Danny's like, "What are you talking about, Rand? How's, how's that? that? That's close, right?" <laughs> that's that's pretty much spot on. Um, and from what Rand had said, I'm like, you know what? Yes, you you should. It should be an expectation to have a link. I think it is a fair thing to demand if you are taking my work, um, be it my quote, be it images from my site, 
whatnot. If you are specifically using resources that I have put time and or money into the creation of, and you're going to use them for your own benefit, the least I should get is a link. Now, where I think it went sideways, and, and the reason for that is, is simple. You owe me something, and so we're going to call it traffic. Now, where I think it sort of started to go sideways is no, you should not be able to demand that it is a followed link. What they are paying you is traffic and credit, right? To me, anyway, in my side of the argument, I'm like, yes, I think it's fair to demand a link if you are using something that I have put my resources into, but this is not to game the search engines. This is because I deserve credit. If somebody reads it and they're like, and Dave Davies said this, they should be able to easily get to you know, me, yeah, not that guy from the kinks, right? So it's, it's yep. from that context that as a citation, I think it's important. I think it is valid to say, you owe me this for my thing. To say, I need to be able to gain Google for you using that, no. <laughs> that's, that's where I, I think I sort of separated from the, from the argument that was going on there. And I think even Danny would too. He'd be like, oh, okay, well, we don't care if you know following them, right? <laughs> go, go nuts. Um, because I think that is, to me, that just is fair. But uh, but what do you okay, think? And for the record, for what it's worth, a, a do-follow link in that context is entirely appropriate. There's nothing wrong with having a do-follow link when you're yeah. quoting somebody. You can have a don't-follow link if your policy is is, is uh, no-follows across the board. Like, that fair dinkum, that's cool too, right? Yeah, um, and it's in Google's eyes. Google Google isn't going to care one way or another. It's it's for paid or sponsored content um, that Google has a problem when the the, the, the link automatically transfers uh, 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 quote unquote link juice. Right. Um, but if it's just a straight up link, hey, uh, Dave Davies said this, and um, I'd, I'd like the link to the search engine journal article or the uh, Beanstalk blog um, where I found it, then that's. You know, a do follow is totally appropriate. And again, I, I agree with you. That's where Danny gets caught saying like, hey, yeah, but it's not mandatory because you can't tell them they have to do it this way. Right. Right. And I think that is, you know, we're, we're totally in agreement. That is where that differentiation is, right? Is in, do I, because you're right, most of the time I link out, unless I really don't like something, like unless I'm listing it as an example of something I don't like, I'll use do follow, right? I'm like, oh, okay, so-and-so said this, and I'll link across to them. Right? That's appropriate to me, because yeah. a link is a commodity in our world. Well, exactly, and I mean, editorially, if I'm linking to something from our blog, chances are I like it, right? To, to be quite honest, I am passing my vote to it, um, you know, because I there's a reason I'm linking to it, so fair enough. Um, you know, but I think, yeah, if you're going to require it, that, that becomes a different thing, and Danny is right from Google's standpoint, you know, it, it, it would violate the guidelines. Um, you know, I try and keep in mind all the time. These are guidelines. This isn't the law, right? Oh, like, you know what? Oh my God. You know what? Danny is dead right. If you are telling somebody that they got to have a follow link and this is part of your terms of service or your like agreement mm -hmm. and somebody wants to copy your face off your page. Yeah. And you're telling them they got to link back to you. That's making oh my Danny is Danny is letter of the law right. Letter of the law right. Yep, absolutely. Um, but uh, you see, you see, you see how I'm going there, right? Like you're making you're making the content itself the payment. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, and you can't require a do follow or no follow. Right. I mean, that's by, by Google's guidelines. And we got to remember that we're not talking, you're not going to jail for any of this, right? You decide your, your, your sort of threshold of risk. Um, you know, I'm white hat. My clients expect my threshold of risk to be none, right? <laughs> you will not risk. You will just do a good job. Kind of, kind of thing But you have to obey the guidelines it's right in our contracts that will obey the guidelines. But, um, you know, for, for listeners who may not have that, um, you know, well, you remember me back in my affiliate marketing days as a oh, yeah. West, right? Like these were guidelines, not laws and guidelines were basically, Oh, that's what you're telling me not to do. Right. I was like a, like a kid being told what not to do. I'm like, Oh, well, if you're saying not to do it, that means it works. As we went into the segment, I was actually ambivalent on the argument, given that if I put work and energy into something, I see where Bram's coming from. Like that was my time. That's my effort. And let's face it. My my Scooby snack is that juicy link that's going to help me on Google. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't care about the recognition. Like, I don't need it. Honest to God, I don't care. I care about the link. Oh, um, and I, the thing is, I think you can get both, right? If you just go, I'm not going to demand that it is followed. I'm just going to tell you you got a link. There's a good chance a lot of them are just going to be do follow, right? Like by editors who are like, all right, well, I'm linking. So there we go. Right. Like that, that's fine. And some will no follow it. Some won't. And, but again, I, going into this, I was completely ambivalent about it, but there was some way you phrased it where it, where it was like, you know what, the way Rand said it, put himself yeah. in the position where Danny had to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. So, uh, so. <laughs> careful, careful how you argue stuff, kids. That's where the <laughs> that's where that's where the meat's in the pudding, eh? Okay. Speaking about meat and pudding, we gotta put meat in uh, Webmaster Radio's pudding by doing these commercial breaks. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You are listening to Web College on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 18th of April, 2019. Stick around. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho is perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this Nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with NachoAnalytics.com. Seriously? Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 
18th of April, 2019. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Being Talk Internet Marketing. And Dave, are you guys, with your clients, um, are you playing with AMP very much? No. No, although, you know what, I, I say that, um, but we have, and we were brought in to deal with a different problem, but um, we do have a fairly significant publisher um, now who is, we're at the finishing throes of solving problem one. And so, yes, I know where you're going with it. And if you ask me the same question, probably by next week's show, the answer will be yes. <laughs> Get ready for a world of frustration and then, you know, <laughs> plateaus and breakthroughs, plateaus and breakthroughs. If that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, so like uh, Google, how does, how does, how does, if you're working with large publishers, you need to work with AMP. Yeah. Now, I'm saying this with the feeling of Google Plus in my stomach. <laughs> or Google Authorship. Or all the other stuff that we on this very show have told you you need to do. Mm -hmm. But as things stand today, you got to learn AMP. You, I mean, people have been resisting it for like a year and a half now. Sure. Um thinking thinking maybe maybe it's just gonna be but, but it's not yet it will go away i guarantee you google will google will kill this this mongrel of a puppy one of these days but it hasn't yet um it's gonna go all all old yeller on this thing okay google is actually still adding to um the utility of amp and um one of the ways is by um giving another feature that Google has called um, uh, AMP Stories, a featured place in uh, search results in the carousel um, if, 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 if uh, a query is phrased a certain way. Now, AMP Stories, th th that was actually introduced a year ago, and it's, it's a lot like Instagram or Facebook Stories. Um, you basically, record a uh, quick explanation or offer or whatever, um, publish it in that environment, and you have a very strong chance of, uh, of of ranking in that carousel under you know under again certain 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 keyword phrases or ways the search is phrased. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I thought that was very cool. If you're if you're a again large scale publisher, recipe, um, uh, lifestyle blogger, um, hundreds of hundreds of different applications, this was made for you. Get going now. Get in there early. And claim a spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, like you know, and they're they're paying a lot of attention. And I, I will be looking into this, but haven't yet because it just came out, and I've been dealing with other problems. Um, but I know there's they're coming up with mechanisms now to be serving it all from from your own um, from your own domain in a different way, and it takes us the tech. You know what? I'm not even going to get into the technical part. Just head over to Search Engine Land. There's an article on it, um, which I gave. Like I said, about. get ready for a world of frustrations. Yeah. Like seriously, oh, yeah. but also get ready for get ready for happy clients. Amp amps amp articles um, amp pages get ranked. It happens. They absolutely do. And the reason that I'm looking at it is like the, the, the client, the publisher that I'm talking about had like a big indexing problem. So that's obviously like first and foremost. Um, but in all my research, while I was on mobile, what did I keep seeing beside like 80% of the listings? And these weren't for 
publisher specific like it, it, these were for queries that could or could not be a publisher it makes sense that most of them would be publications but um it wouldn't have to be um for for the types of queries you were ranking but a good at least 70 percent of the search results um that were coming in were amp yep um yep. so they they're you know and now whether and we we hit you know that question of is it because AMP is ranking better, or is it because there are a bunch of publishers <laughs> who are ranking, and so it, they happen to have AMP pages, and those are the ones that are ranking? Um, or both. Or both. both, yeah. Both answers could be true. Both answers could be true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely something that uh, you need to look into, and yeah, if you're a publisher, I, I don't like it. I've been one of the ones who's like, you know, why would I do this? I like you. I'm like, it's going to die. Yeah, it, it will. And so my my clients between here and there, if they don't get that traffic, like <laughs> other sites too. So, um, you know, yes, it'll go away, but you know, it's here for now. Indeed. And this is, this, this is, this is our googly little universe and how we're googly doing things um, at this, <laughs> at this googly time and place. And the reason, the reason I thought you'd be reading into this story is actually because of a, another search engine journal story that, um, that you published. I think, I, I think it might've even come out today. Um, mm -hmm. Talking about how Google composes search engine results pages, and um, beyond beyond this is like core basic or core knowledge, not not, not necessarily basic knowledge, but core knowledge that SEOs need to know. One of the things that, of course, stands out from this this this, this article is <laughs> Kevin Dury looking all presidential with his tiny little hands there. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's funny because I, I got a, a message from Kevin. I didn't let him know. For, for regular readers of Search Engine Journal or, or my work, you'll know I like to like put some of my favorite people you know, in, in there. I haven't gotten through them all, but um, it was Kevin's turn because <laughs> he is one of my favorite people. Um, Absolutely. And he's a great guy, right? So it's like, oh, okay, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to put him in there. And yeah, I get this, like, WTF sent to me this morning. Because <laughs> 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 he didn't know until it was published that, yeah, that. Nah, you know what? You, you put a smile on the brother's face. I, I'm sure I did, but I'm like, oh, yeah, because Kevin's, like, you know, a, a super nice guy, but. He um, I was like, oh, he's, he's, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, if you didn't expect it, <laughs> like, and all of a sudden you just were like going through stuff and it's like, oh, I'm looking at me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. That happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, much love, Kevin, and thank you for supplying your face to the featured image, whether you wanted to or not. Uh, <laughs> importantly, you published an article on uh, the composition of uh, search results pages. Um, what's changed in the last in the, in the last while in, in how Google Google publishes pages? A lot. Um, I had done, and and this was for you. Remember when I was at uh, PubCon Florida? Um, so just just like a couple months ago, and part of my deck was each change, and I was firing through just a bunch of different changes that Google had made to their layout. There were 17 in rapid succession, and that was the month of February. Right? Mm -hmm. Individual layout changes, some of them small, some of them big, some of them test, some of them deploying live, but 17 changes um, had taken place in a month. Right. So a, a lot of things change. A lot of them are, are, are small and, and subtle, um, but you can see and, and it's in there. It's my favorite query um, to run for, for, for page layouts and uh, 
you know, for anybody who's interested, if you want to see like a very robust page, there may be, you know, more robust, but none that I've seen. It's what was the civil war. Um, and it's, it's, it's a great query um, for, for that because you can get basically every element um, on a page um, that you can get. There's the people also search for, there's knowledge panels, there's featured snippets, there's videos. Um, but the part that's most fascinating to me um, is down below. And as far as it's under, helping us understand the way search engines work. So there's like paying attention to layouts is important because what you're paying attention to is opportunity, right? <laughs> like you're going, these are all the places I can be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So there we are. So there's, there's definitely that. Um, and you can look to the layout and go, oh, okay, here's kind of what Google thinks the formats somebody running this query would be interested in. Oh, okay, they're putting videos, not images. Okay, so now I know if I'm looking to develop content, maybe don't focus on images, maybe focus on um, you know, video and, and producing some video content because that's obviously what the users are, are looking for. But it's actually right at the bottom of the page for that query that I, I think we can gain a lot of insight into what Google is doing. And we've talked about entities a lot, um, but down towards the bottom in, in the article, there's military conflicts and it just, uh, you know, has different ones. World war two, world war one, you know, the cold war, the Vietnam war, right? Like these are just other military conflicts. And we can actually see in that one, you know, probably I'm, I'm just guesstimating right now, looking at it, but in this like, little probably 600 wide by 35 pixel high space we can see how google understands the web um, and it's right there because we have formats before that um, but in this one we see okay they have the entity military conflicts and it is attached to the civil war and here's all the other things it's attached to um, so now if i was building a site on military conflicts that's where I'd be looking to. But even that as an aside, and there were actually some queries where you could see two or three um, rows of those where it's like, okay, is it these kind of entities you're looking for or these kind of entities? You might be looking for, for other things. Um, but it's this understanding or the, this sort of illustration of the understanding that Google has of the web that this is not about um, you know, keywords on a page. This is not about links here. What we're looking at is Google understands that the civil war was a military conflict and other military conflicts are these things. Now it may seem simplistic, but it actually paints a very interesting picture about how Google is sort of structuring the, the web around it. So that's the thing in layouts that I'm most interested in right now is uh, cause you see it in the knowledge panel too, with just the bits of data they pick. Um, and it was interesting. I was, I was doing a, a bit of research into knowledge panels um, and I was actually creating like an entity graph just for, for my own use. Um, before looking at the knowledge panel, I was like, oh, okay, what are the questions I would be asking? And I was just putting them on this graph. And then I was like, oh, I should look at the knowledge panel. So I was actually doing an entity thing before I was doing the knowledge panel. And sure enough, that was all the data that was in the knowledge panel. And I was like, right, because they understand the entities I'm connecting to, I had picked the things that are most obvious to ask, right? And it wasn't just based on, people asking questions a certain way because it wouldn't necessarily be related, right? Like it, I wouldn't ask who is this. I would probably know it, but in a knowledge panel, I was like, they were the obvious things to build out an entity graph on 
Um, and sure enough, they're they're what was included in the knowledge panel from from a variety of sources. So it, it's just this is where I find a real interest in in the layouts from an academic standpoint. But at the end of the day, from a, a, a like hey, I'm running a company standpoint, a lot of it is just like, okay, these are the formats they want. These are the layouts they want. Oh, featured snippets. Okay, well, you know, I can see they're using paragraphs. Should I use a paragraph? No, it's a horrible idea, right? Like the structure is really poorly. Oh, okay, Google's just working with what they can. You know, why don't I create a list format for, for them and, uh, um, you know, sort of sort of try and take that uh, take that spot. So, um, you know, it's, it's those opportunities and layouts that I think the real value comes in for us. Um, I'm going not just understanding what is, but what we should put on our page. Oh, okay. I can see, like, let's take, for example, I can see that in this, you know, in the, in the example of the query I was using, I can see there's video in there. Well, I, I might not rank in video, but it's pretty clear that Google thinks users would be interested in a video result. So would it behoove me to include a video on the page of content I have on this? Would that help or hinder? I could run some tests on that. We could figure it out. But I can, I can certainly think that it would not hurt me because if nothing else, users like video. Clearly, that's what Google is telling me here. Will that help my rankings? We can get into the UX side of, of rankings right at, at you know <laughs> down the road and google going oh, okay these are these are all there but if i was google i'd be looking going okay we know some want content we know some want uh video well i guess video is content but we know that a lot of the people want video that's why we're showing it here a lot of people want you know text that's why we have these these blue links here um you know okay if i start folding them all into my page um not only am i more likely to satisfy my user because google's telling me what these users want but also I can't help but think if Google saw the different content formats on my page, they would understand that I am more likely to satisfy that user because I'm providing the content formats that they're talking about. So, uh, so I, I intend to ask a leading question because uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to segue to it to another cool thing. Um, with a, in the composition, new comp in, in the way Google uh, composes uh, search results pages, um, how useful is a schema markup language in getting your content, your information, up on 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 the first page of Google? I just ran a test on this like two three weeks ago, um, and it is incredibly valuable. Okay, <laughs> like, so incredibly valuable. You know, do you know where I'm going with this? I know where you're going with this. Okay, so people who people who pay a good deal of attention to uh, search news uh, will were thrilled this week to learn that the insanely popular SEO Yoast, uh, uh, the I'm sorry, Yoast SEO tool, mm -hmm. um, now includes schema markup. Mm -hmm. Now. Having uh, worked with this on three different sites in the last two days, I can tell you it's not the most robust uh, schema markup, but it's a start and it's there. Yes, and I mean, and it is a start. You're right. Like this is it's version eleven of their plugin, and you know this is their their first foray, the first iteration of, of a schema tool. Uh, and they are the first one. One of the things that is interesting about this and and i know you 
you know what I mean? They first off, they were working with Jonah Alderson. I may have just mispronounced his last name, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, anyway, so you you know this was done well. Um, but one of the things that makes Yoast's so good, um, and, and it gives me a lot of hope for what's coming up in the future um, from, from Yoast on this one, is it's defragmented. Um, so for our listeners in, in, in the audience who may not understand how schema is created, and you've created a lot of schema, I've created a lot of schema, I tend to create what would be called fragmented schema. Part of that's because I'm lazy. Um, right, but it's it's basically if you were running the, the the markup testing tool, you would see that it has organization, then it has like my my tech article schema, and then it has like the author schema, right? Like each one of these as an individual set of schema. Um, what Yoast does is puts them all in that proper structured order, so it actually is only creating one. And it's creating tech article. And then the author of that is Beanstalk as the organization. And then within that, the author is me as, right, as, as the person um, with additional details on the tech article. I'm, I'm just sort of like going through that really quickly. You can look so at it's that like the Russian market. nesting dolls rather than this whole like spaghetti string of code. Exactly. Um, and the, what I love about that is that it's handing to Google how all the pieces tie together. Right. So I can have on my page, not just, you know, if I'm, if I'm writing a post about, you know, Microsoft and Bill Gates, right. I, I can have rather than just each sitting individually, which is what most schema uh, plugins would do. Um, it would naturally nest each of these entities onto, onto the page. And actually that's a poor example because it wouldn't do that great at this stage, but, but it will be, I'm sure in the, uh, in the not too distant future. Um, but yeah, by nesting it, it helps them understand the relationship. It would help in, in the example I was using know that Dave is an entity within Beanstalk. Beanstalk is the author of this tech article all of it very specifically laid out rather than relying on Google to go, okay, we talked about a tech article. We talked about Dave and we talked about Beanstalk. Chances are they're all related to the exact same thing. Not necessarily because I've put organizational schema on blog posts. They're about other organizations. So they're having to kind of guess but now they're not. And, and, and that's, what's great. Um, as a, a sort of PSA, um, for, for housekeeping for folks, if you're using Yoast's plugin and you've been using a plugin to do schema, you might want to take a look at what's going on. I was, um, and I have a client who, who was as well. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, now we actually need to take out some, uh, but, but uh, one of the things, and, and I hope they get it sorted. There isn't a lot of control right now over the schema. Um, but, uh, but I, I do expect that you'll, we'll be, we'll be seeing that, uh, in sort of future, future rollouts, but good move by them. Um, and I'm, uh, yeah, kudos to, uh, to Yoast. It was, it was a big rollout for them and seems to be working well. Like I've got run tests on it. I put it through, uh, on different pages with the markup testers and yeah, it looks like it works really, really well. Big step forward. Okay. We got to take a break. Um, before we go, for the um, dozen or so BlackBerry users in our listening audience, um, <laughs> BlackBerry announces the end of the uh, BlackBerry mobile service, BBM. Um, it will be ending um, in a couple of weeks, so um, yep. deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. Okay. 
We got to take a break here on Web College and WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 18th of April, 2019. On behalf of Dave Davis from Phoenix on Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. Stick around. We got more coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte. You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey. So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim. Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com WebmasterRadio.fm Get addicted. Get ahead. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 18th of April, 2019. This is Jim Hedger from Joey's Media and Dave Davies from Being Slack Internet Marketing. And if my voice sounds hoarse, Dave, it's because during the commercial break, I read the entirety of the Mueller Report. <laughs> wasn't that hard given how many pages were redacted <laughs> actually that's not true I started, I started reading the Mueller report um, about nine, about 10.30 this morning sorry 10.30 eastern time just after it was released and one of the things that jumps out of the report is literally the number of redacted pages but um, the areas that, they're, that are redacted is what's, is what's truly interesting um it's very likely that um, on both sides of both sides of the uh, the, the political spectrum, that um, about a fifth of the U.S. electorate was in one way or another impacted, according to the Mueller report, by um, I'm not going to necessarily say Russian state activity, but I will say extra state activity. 
by forces outside of uh, uh, of the United States, um, mm-hmm. people who should not be messing around in the election process of another sovereign nation. Right. About a fifth of the American public on both sides, left, left-wingers, right-wingers, people in the middle, whatever, were affected by content that can only... I guess best be described as content described to destabilize or disrupt civilization um, or disrupt the, the, the Western world, the way we built stuff. Um, stunning. It's just, there's not a lot more to say because I don't, I don't want to talk about whether there was, wasn't, I don't care about in, 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 at least in the context of webcology, I don't really care about, you know, the, the politics, the collusion or anything like that. But that so the social media net, uh, it, the social media infrastructure or ecology or ecosystem was you abused so badly as it to as to misinform such a substantial part of the population. It's just amazing. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not. I guess we all kind of knew. Like you, you can you can see it, right? And I mean, you know, this is how you know fake news actually does spread. And I, I don't like to use the term because it's been used like incorrectly. But uh, there, there is it floating around. I mean, that's how we end up with you know measles outbreaks, right? So. Anyway, um, and speaking of, you know what, you, you gave me a, a segue here, so I'm just going to talk about a, a really, really quickly um, about a, a privacy story on the case of Facebook. <laughs> um, and I do believe them that it was an error in their coding, like the way they're describing it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but they uploaded email contacts of 1.5 million users without their consent. Um, uploaded to where? Uploaded to Facebook. You know how you can you can choose when you're doing it, and I've never done it, not to my knowledge anyway. Um, but during the sign-up process um, onto Facebook, you can opt to upload your email contacts so that it'll automatically sort of make these connections for you to anybody that, that is in your email contacts list, right? Okay. Makes makes perfect sense. Uh, in one of the updates, um, and this is according to Facebook, so take it with a grain of salt, but it actually makes sense. Um, in one of these updates, just basically the process didn't include the opt-in aspect, <laughs> so it just sort of got bypassed. It did in some ways, but it didn't during like depending on how you were signing up. Um, it, it would sometimes you know, do it properly. And then other times it wouldn't. And they, they ended up it, like, it was a couple of years before. And it was actually in another update of their systems that they went, Oh, crud. Right. <laughs> we actually have been skipping this bypassing this step where we're actually asking people. So 1.5 million users had their um, contact emails uploaded um, without their consent. Facebook, uh, according to, to their statement is right now, trying to purge all of those, figure out whose email addresses should be, um, should be purged from the system. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's a little weird. I, I guess, fortunately for them, they can go like, as long as they keep track and I'm sure they do of how somebody signed up and they do know the start date that this started happening and they do know when it stopped happening. 
they can sort of go, all right, any emails, um, you know, that were uploaded in this, in this point in time, we have to assume we didn't get consent, right? Like you may have gotten consent if you'd asked, but you didn't. So you now need to assume you didn't get consent and, and they're, they're all going to need to be purged, but, uh, but that's, that's what they're doing now. Um, so, you know, even if you do everything right on Facebook, like from a protecting your privacy, right? Like I've never gone, yeah, sure. Take my full email list, Facebook. Um, I've never done that because I don't want to. Um, but even if you do everything right, you could still, still might, you still might. Exposed. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Bad week for Facebook. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's becoming a bad couple of years, I think. Actually. Um, you know, maybe, um, my space or, uh, some, I don't know. Something, <laughs> something might happen. Yeah, but you know what? Facebook is still, even though even though Facebook's demographic is definitely churning older and older and older by the week, yeah. and younger people are are literally leaving it. Uh, a uh, survey done by the BBC demonstrated that um, in 2018, Facebook's demographic, at least in the UK, swung notably older as younger people moved uh, to Snapchat and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that trend continues into 2019, well, we'll have to see at the end of 2019, but at the end of 2018, it didn't look so good. Um, we only got a couple minutes left. I do want to uh, want to uh, recognize uh, Martin Split, um, the, uh, the, the, the German uh, uh, Google engineer who uh, did a series of videos on uh, Google and JavaScript. He's finished them. They're done. Um, I... I think Search Engine Roundtable has a link to the uh, entire library of videos. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think we, 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 we also owe uh, uh, Martin Split from, 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 from Google a debt of gratitude because I think he's the one who kind of let us know that um, several new generations of rendering engine are coming out, or at least a new generation of Google rendering engine is coming out. And... Um, uh, web ranking should get a hell of a lot faster. Yeah, I am totally stoked. Um, and hat tip to uh, Ashley from over at Deep Crawl, um, or for announcing a, a Deep Crawl. They've been running their um, tests, so I'm not. I don't know. This isn't just her test. Is they're doing a bunch of stuff, um, and they've been doing some really really interesting tests. And they're they found I think it's about 88 percent of the bot activity to their sample set of sites is actually the new rendering um, engine. So we're dealing with a Chrome version of about 41 um, now able to, uh, able to be rendered by this new bot. So I am stoked. I mean, I, you know what? I have clients with like, you know, single page apps right? <laughs> as, as websites. So if, if, if I'm just keeping my fingers crossed, um, that this all, uh, that it does what I'm hoping it'll do. And the fact that the announcement of it came from, uh, from Martin, um, you know, it makes me really, really hopeful that, 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 yeah, like fingers crossed that it does a better job with, uh, with JavaScript. Cause until now it's, it's kind of felt a little like John's coming out going, Hey, we can crawl this. And I'm like, you know what? I heard you say the same thing about flash. Right, like, and <laughs> as as far as far as we know, Martin's never said, "I don't know." 
when he's really loud. <laughs> no, the only thing he wouldn't say was the date. He was like, I'm not telling you the date. I know the date. I'm not telling you the date. <laughs> so. Okay, one last note. Then we're going to have to get, we're never gonna get kicked out of the studio. The Google de-indexing de bug that we uh, said was fixed last week probably isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you might still see weirdness in your uh, analytics, certainly if you're uh, dealing with publishers who are in Google News, and you're really going to see weirdness in, in, in analytics and search console if you are affected by it just because you were affected by something that upset traffic to your site. Therefore, um, your analytics will reflect that. Um, but stuff is still disappearing, um, and the bug appears to be spreading through the ecosystem can't update you on this because that's the latest news. Yep. Um, okay, that's the music too. We gotta go. Um, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Magic from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 18th of April, 2019. Stick around the network. Great stuff coming up on, on Webmaster Radio. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast.